Crimson Tower Studios. Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in 4th edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and tonight I'm not only joined by my co-host Steve, but we have a very special guest that we're super excited to have on the show today, uh, and his name is Padrig from Cubicle 7. Uh, he is the producer for Woofra 4th Edition, as well as a writer for several products we'll be reviewing tonight. Welcome to the show, Padraig. Grace, thanks. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, we're excited to have you. Uh, now, Matt couldn't make it, and I can tell you he is uh, super frustrated about it. Um, he is sick. He's really sick. He sent me several notes on text on my phone that he wanted to make sure I, I pointed out in the show today. So he's with us in spirit. So... <laughs> so, Padraig, why don't you tell us and our listeners a bit about yourself, uh, for our listeners who might not know um, who you are and what you do in the Warhammer com community. Okay, so I'm the producer uh, for Warhammer 4th Edition with Cubicle 7. Um, I oversee a lot of parts of the line, basically, so um, making sure products get to you. Uh, so when there's a delay in something, I'm definitely the person to blame and nobody else. Uh, and when something's really good, hopefully I get a small amount of the credit. Um, but I am uh, involved with arranging writers, um, putting product briefs and outlines together, uh, making sure that the art is briefed and on IP, and um, basically just making sure the product that gets to you is really, really good and does something to like add to the lore and add to the game. Um, and just trying to make that as, as, as good as possible because a lot of what... Um, I get on my desk is, is excellent. Uh, you know, it's been amazing to work with Graeme Davies and, and many other talented writers and artists. Uh, so I just try to make sure that their work gets to you uh, in the best possible way. Excellent. And we, uh, I, I'll have to say, so we have, uh, we've talked on the show in the past about, you know, some of the deadlines and I know with uh, COVID and some of the, the changes and the line leadership and stuff, um, there's been, you know, delays that just couldn't be handled and stuff but man uh the communication has really ramped up lately and uh i i'm happy to see we we have like lots of products moving actually and i have to say this quicker than i expected so thank you <laughs> yep thanks. Well, yeah that's good to hear it's something i'm very very sensitive to because I, you know i i know what it's like to be really invested in line and then stuff isn't showing up and and you start to wonder where it is so we are trying to communicate as well as possible about how everything is going. And yeah, there's a lot of really good stuff on the boil and getting uh, a sneak peek at the final two pieces of the, the enemy within in particular and seeing how they've shaped up has been amazing. Um, but also, yeah, there's a few really nice books uh, coming your way. So awesome. great, glad to hear, glad to hear you're excited for it too. Yeah, no, trust yeah, me. We sure. <laughs> so so real quick did you uh what, what's your experience how i know there's an article that talks a little bit about how you started warhammer when you were pretty young yeah yeah so i went to um a boarding school in ireland which was so it's not like a fancy boarding school it was a boarding school for priests back in the day and then they converted it over to like people that didn't want to be priests 
this is a very Irish school, by the way. Um, <laughs> and I went there um, and myself and about five other guys didn't really mesh very well with the sporty um, kind of aspect of that school. Um, but we were there all day. Like we, it was a boarding school. We never went home and we were very, very stuck for what to do. Uh, and I remember the very conversation when I was 13. No, I was 12. It was first year. The very first conversation with uh, one of my friends was like, did you hear about this thing called Warhammer? It's really, really cool. You can like have tabletop battle games with it. And this is how it works. Um, and from there, it it was just a deep rabbit hole we fell down into for about six years in in that school. And we eventually got like a small room to ourselves and we played a lot of tabletop 40K and we played a lot of more time and we started playing Warmer Fantasy Roleplay because somebody's older brother had a copy of it that had fallen apart, been bound into a folder and kind of gifted to him. And then that came our way. And that was that was a terrible epiphany that meant that I, I would never look back from <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um yeah, and then so that that was the the first was the first role playing game I ever played, uh, and it was actually I was in my twenties until I played D anD D. Even though that is such a kind of a pillar um, for me, it didn't it didn't exist. It was just this weird thing other people played, and Woofrup and uh, a couple of other um, Call of Cthulhu and similar and GURPS were things that we played. But uh, yeah, Woofrup was the, the the first role playing game I ever played, so it, it maintains a very warm place in my heart. <laughs> wow. Nice. That's awesome. Um, and it, you mirror a little bit with Steve and I. Steve, Steve and I. Steve introduced me to Warmer Fantasy Battles, a tabletop game, but I didn't get into role playing until um, much later in life. And, and none of us on the show, uh, the host, have ever played D anD D until Matt did at a convention this last year. So I still haven't played D anD D. I own like several books, but have never played it. So. Yeah, I've never gotten the chance to either. It's all been uh, Wolfrop, uh, Warhammer, Line Games Workshop. Yeah, on my path. Yep. Yeah, no, f- fantastic. I mean, it's it's its own thing. I I, I think Wolfrop is a. I much prefer the setting over um, anything that's around for other fantasy games. And I'm not just saying that because of my job. <laughs> I, I do. It's just such a wonderful, rich world. Um, yeah. All right. All right. So um, before we get on to what we've been up to, um, real quick, we want to just uh, thank our outstanding Patreon backers. Uh, their generous donations help to make this show possible. And without Matt here, Matt is a person that can pronun- pronounce stuff. See, I can't even say normal words with right pronunciation. I'm going to say, uh, oh. you want to give it a try, Steve? Oh, yeah. It's Christoph D- Danik. Thank you. Thank you, Christoph. I'm terrible, but thank you. <laughs> So, Thank you so much for your support. Uh, if you'd like to join these, this fine example listed above and buy us a beer or some tea, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. Uh, for only a couple of dollars a month, you can help us continue to bring you discussion and actual play in the grim and gritty world of Warhammer fantasy roleplay. Uh, check us out at patreon.com forward slash old world podcast. Absolutely. Um, so, Steve, pa- Padraig, what have you guys been up to gaming wise this month? Padre, do you want to go first? Um, sure. It's probably fairly predictable. We've been doing a lot of a lot of playtesting in-house. Um, so we've been playing through uh, Power Behind the Throne, and that's going quite well. Oh, nice. um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, I'm really enjoying that one. And uh, we it, it's it's great, uh, but there's so many NPCs to keep track of that we've put an awful lot of time into extra game aids based on the playtesting. Because you get to a point where you're like, okay, who is that person again? That's 
no, that's not his daughter. That's the other one. Uh, so that we've been doing a lot of that, and we were playtesting um, Double Trouble, which will be out very shortly. Um, it's the next Uberjack adventure, and that's that's a lot of fun. Uh, do you GM that game that you're you're in, or are you a player? Yeah, I, I, I am the forever GM of, <laughs> of my group, and that's carried through to this as well. Yeah, I GM it. Excellent. Oh, so cool. I, I I'm right there with you. Um, I I pretty rarely get a chance to be a player, but um. Yeah, so uh, game aids just uh, just put a little bug in your ear. Uh, those sound like excellent PDFs for Cubicle Seven to release with uh, character game aids for the enemy within. Something to think about. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, that, I, I may not even need to take a note on that because I already have a note on it. So <laughs> <laughs> they do sound good. So I, uh, what have you been up to, Steve? Uh, you know, but I've been delving into some more Final Fantasy VII. And, you know, this month I had uh, family up from Louisiana. So it's been a lot of kind of just spending time with the family. Not too much else. A lot of travel time. Uh, driving to my hometown and to just various ci- ci- cities. Just enjoying things with them before they bounce off. Uh, one of my sisters, she just graduated high school this year. So it was a big deal. And got the one right after going into her senior year. So uh, it was a fun time. But for gaming, Final Fantasy, yeah, pretty much. Man, yep. you got to catch up, man. I'm leaving you in the dust. I do. You <laughs> left me in the dust way back. <laughs> I did. I actually, I'm almost done. I've been playing Final Fantasy 3 is what I've been up to. Uh, huge. We're huge Final Fantasy fans as well, Padraig. If if you ever listen to our show, it's usually like video game wise. It's what Steve and I play the most. Um, that is to- totally okay. I just finished replaying Ten on the Vita there a while ago. <laughs> Ooh, there you go. That's a good one. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. I uh, so I'm almost done with three, and uh, and then I've also been doing some. I've been prepping for. Oh, played some Woofer up some fourth edition here recently um what was the what is it that we played we played um madman of gotham gotham that's what we played um so i that was a lot of fun and then uh i've been uh prepping for uh for a one shot um for star trek adventures so i've been digging into that game a little bit too so um but that's what i've been up to uh so usual as usual with me it's like final fantasy for my video gaming and wolfer for my role-playing, and then, you know, dabbling here and there. Okay, so let's move on to announcements and news. Uh, this is a part of the show where we keep you up to date on Wolfrup and related news. And we don't have a ton to go over, but there were some new releases and stuff to discuss for sure. Absolutely. So um, there's been several releases, and we, we will be discussing all of these in detail in a few moments here. Uh, you got Death on the Right has released. Yay! Woo! Um, $39.99 for the book plus PDF, which is great. Uh, if you just want the PDF, it's $19.99. And then the, the, the glorious collector's edition, um, both Death on the Right and Companion. Uh, Companion's not released yet, but you'll get the PDF. It'll be $149.99, and you'll just have the PDF until the actual book is released. Um, we got Monuments of the Right Clan has released. <laughs> That's an awesome one. Yes. Um, for $3.99 for the PDF. And they also came out with the fourth edition conversion rules. Now, I know we had our own, but whoever put it's we'll go over soon, but man, it is in depth. Um, yeah. So there's that as well. That's free. And of course, you can find uh, this and more online at www.cubicle7games.com. And I did want to call a quick audible here because after we did show notes, um, 
Padraig put out another uh, update for what's going on with Woofrup, um, the upcoming releases. So um, just briefly, uh, updates to Death on the Reich um, about increasing difficulty, which I was surprised to see that feedback. So I, and I love the little comment in there, like, be careful what you wish for. So I'm very yeah. excited to see how, how much it gets wow. ramped up. Right. It's deadly to a degree already. I'm just going <laughs> to, just going to put that out there. Um, but Hey man, I like kind of living off of the razor's edge on adventures. You never right. know. So it's, that's the exciting part. Um, I'm always prepped to create a new character. So <laughs> sometimes I just jump into situations. So. That's that's a good practice. Have a yeah. good character. <laughs> exactly. I still so of all the role playing games I ever play, like Wolfrup is the only one where and I've played second edition. It doesn't matter the edition, but it's always like, hey, I don't care what you've played before, but you as a player need to keep in mind this is your first character of many. Have a backup ready. Like be thinking about your backup because you could just die. And that's that's the system. So Yeah. Uh, one of the things I love about it too. So <laughs> power behind the throne has new art coming down the line soon. I know that we're expecting some of that, uh, through the director's diaries, um, which, Oh, Padraig, I'm going to take this opportunity to say absolutely love. Like, so I want to, we've said this in our show several times, but, um, having those like rules stuff, like, Hey, this is some awesome rules we couldn't fit in the death on the right companion like we're sitting there going when we're reading those like we're like sitting there man if this is what couldn't make it man we can't wait to see what did um so just love having that we realize that's probably going to get released like farther down the line in another supplement or something but it's really nifty to have that it's a nice little uh, yeah there's a a book yeah, we will be doing something with the magic and with miracles down the line and it's possible that some of those will will make their way in um but but definitely for for now they're they're just uh yeah with, with anyone who's got those dev diaries yeah it's awesome um it was on and that was the tipping point for me um i'm still paying with it with my wife but um when when i saw that i was like all right i'm upgrading <laughs> so <laughs> apologies to your wife yeah <laughs> yeah right um really to me i'm the one that's taking the the heat so <laughs> um so uh, anyway, Double Trouble, you mentioned that earlier. That's a new adventure coming soon. Um, Death on the Reich Companion went out for layout. Um, so I hope that means it's right around the corner. Um, are you able to say any more? Any, any thoughts on I, last we read it was um, this month or beginning of next month for the Companion? Yeah, we seem to be on target for that. But every time I, I don't want to jinx it. Basically, no, no, understandable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I try and not say too much until I, I know everything is fine because there's always that last minute stuff. But right. um, yeah, so no, it's a long way of saying I can't say much more. But we, we seem to be going quite well with it. Okay, good. Glad to hear that. I can tell you that uh, it is the one that we've been chopping at the bits to get for weeks, months um, over here uh with us because uh we're in fact we are already we like we need to complete our arc of our current ca- campaign because it's time to get to the river so we're already planning so we're excited um <laughs> and, and, oh sorry go ahead steve yep i was just gonna say you know with release dates you know if it was any other product and i'm just gonna say like 
when you guys have release dates, like I'm always excited for the books, but I really don't pay attention to the release date too much until it's just out. And it's just solely because for one, I got a lot to read already, but man, it's just, I know when it comes out, it's going to be just like glorious. So I, I, I don't mind having to wait. And then I try to put it in the back of my mind. Cause I know when it does come out, it's going to be just amazing. So I just want to put that out there from like a fan. Um, yeah, that yeah, it's it's the the dates you know to have a direct date isn't really on top of my mind, and and I think that it goes for a lot a lot of fans because when it comes out, of course we're gonna buy it, <laughs> but it, it <laughs> right. just it just it's just a product you guys have been coming out with just just amazing. I just want to say say that we can move on now. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, like a, that, that yeah, is good to hear. But fan. yeah, no, that that is that is great. But I just just so pe- people also know, like I am very aware that people are playing the every thing and. Yeah, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's what I didn't expect to, because we haven't been going along with the storyline with the books. Um, and by reading through with it, you know, it'd be nice to play through one time, but it's just great jobs on all the previous books. Wonderful job. Good, good to hear. There was a lot of hands on them. So, uh, I, I won't take all the credits, but that, oh, yeah, that is for sure. Team. teamwork. Right. <laughs> All right, so the the last bit of our news here is Middenheim returned from the editorial team um, with uh, includes a little a new career for Ulrich followers, basically, um, whatever that is going to look out to be. I know we were excited to see that. And Mm -hmm. coming back from the editorial team already, um, quite frankly, I didn't expect to see Middenheim uh, for a while yet. So that's really good news. So it sounds like that's moving along quicker than I was thinking. So that's awesome. Yeah, that, that's going quite well. And the editors did a great job. Um, I think we've lined it up pretty nicely. The only thing I'll say about the career is when I picked up that manuscript to read it at first, I got to a certain point in it and I made a note. I was like, these guys need to be a career. Um, you know, let's let's come back to that. And then I got to the end of it. And I was like, oh, someone was here before me. They are a career. <laughs> nice. um, so that's that's great. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that coming out and seeing people's reactions. Yeah, I'm well I'm really looking forward to getting it too. So um that the the midden I'm a big person for the supplements. So the companions, the Middenheim, um, the uh Altdorf one I'm really looking forward to. Um I'm hopeful that we'll see other uh, other big cities um too potentially. I, I mean, who knows what your guys' plans are, but I know Marienburg is a an often loved favorite and Nuln would be cool too. So Yeah, I, I agree. We'll be doing we have something in mind that hasn't been done before. Um, so that, that will be interesting. I think um, Marienburg, I'm a big fan of, I really think that was nailed um, really well for, for in, in, in earlier editions. Um, none could probably use some love. That would be, that would be good as well. But um, yeah. Okay. So let's, let's get to the main topic here, the meat of the show. And tonight's show, we're going to be, uh, reviewing four different products. So our list for today is the fourth edition conversion tables, Death on the Reich, the GM screen, and Monuments of the Reichland. All of these have come out since uh, Padrig has joined the team over at Cubicle 7. So this just worked out perfectly that uh, he could join us to, to talk about all these different products. I do want to take a quick moment here to mention, uh, so if anyone has any concerns about what we're going to discuss specifically with Death on the Reich, 
um, as we do in our normal uh, shows here. Uh, we are not going to spoil anything. We're going to talk about it in general terms. Um, yeah. You know, we certainly, I mean, if you want to make sure there's 100% no chance of even a tiny spoiler in there, then we'll give you a warning before we start talking about it. But no, we're not, we're going to, this should be spoiler free for the most part. Um, having said all of that, um, let's get on. So old worlders be prepared for your games to get a bit more deadly as your GMs have been given a GM screen and several deadly adventures and supplements to try to kill you or I mean, deliver you to more. Um, you know what I mean <laughs> on, on this episode of the old world podcast. Um, so Steve, you want to take us into, um, our, you already started talking about the conversion document. Why don't you, why don't you take us in? Yeah. So the conversion documents, the fourth edition conversion tables, uh, pretty much, you know, as Wilfred has been out for a long time, <laughs> you got different players that started in, in Wilfred, uh, uh, one, two, uh, you know, some that just be in it for you won't need this too much here, but this is pretty much your de facto conversion guide uh if you want to bring your character from wolf rub first edition to life this is going to be your conversion table your booklet to use and, and it's pretty thorough and in depth uh, whoever you, you know the team that put this together all the writing i know andy law had, had a part in it it's just in depth um just it mind-boggling that i i couldn't be able to do it a lot of numbers here <laughs> um <laughs> but but it's very handy um, and basically, you basically list like the differences between them. Um, you break it down to characteristics, first edition characteristics, second edition characteristics, and what would best align with that in fourth edition. You also have that with careers, first edition careers, um, first edition advanced careers. Same thing with second edition. You know what matches best in the fourth edition. It may not be the same name, but it's like the closest careers or advanced careers that you could get. And it, the same thing with skills and talents, uh, first edition skills and talents, second edition skills and talents, so forth. It may or may not have the same name, but they'll get you pretty close to what you had before. So you can just convert it. Um, everything's pretty well explained. You just got to find what your what skills you had, talents you had, and see how it converts to fourth edition. Well, yeah. So well, actually, yeah. I wanted to – first off, I wanted to say – yeah, you're absolutely right. This this took somebody some time um, yeah. because I uh, so I was the primarily uh, the person that worked on the the old world podcast version of the the conversion tables and stuff that we did, and um, because there was a there's a big demand when the game first came out, especially uh, for some mm -hmm. sort of conversion. And man, did that take me a long time. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to go side by side and see how accurate I was. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but uh, no. And then like uh, the conversion of the characteristics and stuff like that, too. Um, it makes it nice and easy. One of the things I note here uh, that they say right at the beginning is, um, you know, we recommend that you just create your character using the normal character creation rules and use this as a guide to help you determine how your character will go. And um, I agree with that. That's something that we came across as a conclusion as well. Um, uh, one thing I did want to ask Padraig. So obviously the, the big thing that the big glaring omission, if you will, is third edition here. And to an extent, yeah. they are such a different game system, mm -hmm. but um, I'm curious to know uh, what was your guys' thoughts on, 
doing just first and second was third just too much to uh, it's not easy i can tell you we did it and it does not feel perfect <laughs> no and i did take a look at your third edition one um and, well i think it was your one yeah there was a, a couple of them floating around to try and see what other people were up to um and, and how they were handling that like third edition um is is a very big departure in terms of the base rules and how they interact uh, whereas I think first, second, and fourth are building on that that kind of original heritage of the first edition rules and you know of the percentile system more generally. Uh, yeah, third edition would be a very difficult um, a very difficult conversion process to do justice to, and I don't know that it would be necessarily worth the time um, right. that would go into it versus creating something new that hasn't you know that you hasn't been done before let's say <laughs> no i hear you i know um for us it was one of those things where even when you use uh, what we came up with you come up with just super generic not it, it doesn't just doesn't work as well and um so yeah that, I, I noticed so that made a lot of sense to me and really i i really do see fourth edition as the uh, the love child of first and second when you really think about it it's it took the it took the best from all the systems but um really when you you're it's the d100 system is what really one of the really defining pieces of warhammer so anyway i, I did want to one other thing i wanted to mention too is um when you guys i'm curious to know um it, this this might seem like but why now? Why was it that you guys did the conversion now? Well, so, okay, so when I took over um, the role in Cubicle 7, there were a lot of projects that were at various stages of completion, um, and the Enemy Within jumped out right to the top of the list of things that I needed to get underway right away. So that was from the companion for Enemy in Shadows on. Um Middenheim and uh, Altdorf and various other uh, books were also, you know, at a certain stage. Um, so I and and the uh, conversion rules are among them, and it was just a matter of prioritization, basically. So an awful lot of work had been done on that, in fact, um, by Andy and I think Ben as well. Uh, so and they did, a, I think, a really good job. Um, so they just had literally taken this long to get to it, recheck everything, make sure that it all made sense, um, which, like in large parts, it did. There was only one or two areas where uh, I think I did a few tweaks, um, and that was th th that's essentially why. Uh, also, I think we've gotten to a point where there's a good critical mass of first edition stuff that we've put out in PDF again. So, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, if people want to yep. revisit any of it, so it seemed like a good time to have it there. And if you, you know, if there was a very memorable first edition, if you really wanted to go into Drakenfels again, for example, yeah, um, to try and update it. You know, you, the, the rules were there, and it's a, a, a free PDF anyone can grab, uh, so go for it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, uh, actually, are are we, should we continue to expect, I imagine that there's no no intention to not continue to release updated PDFs of first edition products. Oh, yeah, there's there's a, another couple on the boiler, basically, for that. Um, a certain amount of it was the with COVID, so our process right. for that was was... So a lot of those books, the, the uh, convenient print-ready PDF is no longer in in the you know floating around anywhere. Like, you know, some of them are twenty or thirty years old. Right. So we've a process of rescanning those, putting them through graphic design to touch them up and make sure everything is nice and clear. 
um, and we just it wasn't easy to access our hardware for doing that during the lockdown. Right, right. That's and actually some people. That's something I've told people online too. Like people are like, "You're you're charging for this, you know, super old thing that you didn't do anything on." And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." no. Right? Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you know how long it's going to take somebody to scan page by page to make sure they get the full page and then go in and do probably several touch ups? And, um, and and we say touch up, but depending on the quality of the book and and, and if you don't want to destroy the book while you're scanning it, like I can't even imagine like the amount of trouble it takes to get one of these books scanned in yeah so. yeah there, there's and then several of them we haven't we've sourced them more than once because we got one and didn't like some pages of it so we had to go and get another one to yeah yeah and i, I did want to just destroy them just to cut the spine off and put them through the, oh. you know a really tight scanner that wouldn't have any issues um and then i was overruled and i'm glad i was overruled actually because there's only so many of them in the world that would have been right, right. that's oh for sure yeah yeah we we I'm got our first. Now. We picked up a near mint condition first edition core rulebook um, at a fair, um, with the first printing, and uh, and like the thought of cutting that binding to scan it like makes my stomach churn. <laughs> yeah, I it, yeah, it was just a, I was at a point where I was like, but if we do this once, then it'll be really good PDFs forever. Right. No, you're um, right. You're not wrong. But yep. but yeah, we just we couldn't bring ourselves to do it. So. <laughs> all right, so uh, all right, guys, we're gonna move on to death on the Reich is the next uh, on our list. Uh, it would, before we do, uh, listeners, if this is a point where you want one hundred percent accuracy, that there's gonna be nothing that you don't want to hear here. You know, this is where you're gonna uh, cue out. But uh, there's a lot of good content here, and like I said, I don't think there should be any problems. We're not gonna do any major spoilers. So. Um, Having said that, uh, Steve, you want to take us into Death on the Reich? Death on the Reich. All right. So this is the next block of the storyline. And pretty much, um, I don't even want to say too much. It's so hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's on the Reich. We can say that. Yeah. I was about to say, <laughs> it's on the Reich. You may experience death. Uh, but definitely, the, 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 this is a story be, uh, before the power behind the throne here. And this is actually the story that kind of gets you onto the river. And this is going to be very exciting. Um, I've always wanted to have kind of uh, an adventure on the river. So uh, we'll be getting, you know, those rules with the companion. But uh, definitely, this this book falls into eight chapters. Um, and basically, it's it's kind of each chapter is like a plot and Padraig, please if you want to jump in um say what you can about um the beginning part as much as you can <laughs> it's hard if you can... don't want to spoil anything um but yeah i suppose without spoilers i mean the first part of the of death on the reich exists to kind of establish how you're going to proceed about the rest of the through the, through the rest of the adventure um, you know, through this part of the campaign, it's about getting you on the Reich and making sure that you have the tools at your disposal to get around. Is that is that vague enough? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so there is an there is a a kind of a meta arc to how the enemy within builds. I think the first part, Enemy in Shadows, um, gives you a relatively uh, linear, but really good, but relatively linear path through the adventure. Um, that everyone can kind of take, um, that most parties will end up on more or less. Now, you can totally diverge from that and 
improvisation is one of the best parts of role-playing games. Right. But broadly, that is it. Death on the Reich opens up a kind of a bit more of a sandbox in the sense that there is obviously a, a core plot to that to to what's happening, um, but you can approach it very differently and, and quite widely. Um, and you're given a little bit more freedom about how you get about uh, the world and how you interact with it. And that's something the companion content feeds into a lot as well. Like there's a lot of um, additional encounters you can fit in. Um, very uh, another good chunk of NPCs following on from the Enemy in Shadows companion um, that you can use in different ways. Uh, we've tried to add to those NPCs ways to get players onto the plot because I think you can lose it a little bit more easily in Death on the Reich than you can Enemy in Shadows. Uh, and I have heard stories of people wandering about the Reich for you know years in terms of. <laughs> Uh, in real time uh, kind of pursuing their own goals and I think that's brilliant um, and if you're enjoying that that adventure that is the way to run it uh, but there's a lot of hints and tips there for you to get you back on on track as it were um, yeah I, I think that's about as much as I can say without being spoiled yeah so I so a few things I want to point out so it really the death on the Reich is a continuation of the enemy within and everything that we you know, loved uh, when we did our review with Graham on the enemy in shadows is going to be the same thing here. There are grognard boxes throughout this, which are the boxes, which um, if you, if you have a group that's played this campaign three times already, you know, it gives you ideas and thoughts on how you might switch things up, make it unexpected, or as Graham likes to say, um, punish players for thinking that they know what's going to happen. Um, uh, which is, for the record, one of my favorite pieces, because even though so I'm one of those few people on this planet that haven't actually played the enemy within campaign and um, and I've been very careful. It's very difficult for me to be on this podcast because I have to read some of this stuff. But I'm like I try very careful to like not get too deep into the details of it because I, I'm one day I, I, if I run it great, I'm going to read it full. But if somebody plays it for me, plays it through for me. I'm super excited because I know that even if I do know certain section with those grognard boxes, I don't really know what's going to happen even as a player. Right. So I love that concept. Um, you mentioned NPCs, Padraig, uh, NPCs are huge again, um, throughout the book, uh, at the end of the book, actually, they have a huge, huge section. Um, but they're throughout depending on your location and stuff too, of, NPCs with artwork and stats and a breakdown, it makes it really easy to reach in and grab an NPC if you need one. Um, there's uh, even, well, I don't want to, there's some really cool stuff in there. Um, it, so uh, the NPCs are a great resource. So even if you've run the enemy within, um, there's no reason you can't grab one of these stat blocks and NPC um, complete with artwork, like I said. And even if you just want to make it tweaks or just reskin it, put a new different name on it, um, the work's all done for you. You don't have to go and figure out from ground up your NPC already. Yeah, yes, great, and, and I, I do. Yeah, I, I really think they're they are a good resource in that respect. Like it, I've, I've definitely grabbed those NPCs and dro dropped them in, you know, completely where they're not meant to be, but in in, in other uh, games, uh, and they tend to work really well. Yeah, and um, so one of the big pieces of this, so. Uh, without going into detail on this is the appendix and uh, the appendix I can tell you honestly uh, is one of the first things uh, when the, when this comes out 
we get the we get the PDF and we immediately go to the appendix because we want to see what's back there. Um, so uh, the appendix one, and now uh, it's a, a little bit different, a little bit lighter than the appendix in Enemy and Shadows, but um, the appendix has uh, rules for mentors and training. So um, this was a, a really interesting one. It's a essentially what we have is a alternate rules for spending experience. And you do it in such a way that you essentially, you can only expend experience when you are essentially training with a mentor. Um, so it's an alternate rule with the different ideas. And then it gives you a breakdown of several example mentors and even how to find mentors within the adventure, right, in Death on the Reich. Here's how you can use this character or that character. Um, it's a really fascinating concept. Um, and... It's. I can tell you, it's. It's not something we're using in our game currently, but I can see the allure for it, for sure. Uh, yeah, I. Th I think that it's a an alternative way of of progressing. Um, that does make it a little bit more. It would. It would make your uh, improvements in your character a lot more chunky in the sense that you would probably tend to bank a lot of XP, spend the downtime with your mentor, and then uh, improve by a sizable amount. Um, so in, in that respect, you might get a kind of a feeling of like, oh, I've really made a lot of improvement. Um, I don't think that everybody needs to use it. Definitely. It's there as an alternative rule. I do think the idea of mentors in general can fit in really nicely. Uh, even if you don't want to use those alternate rules for, uh, spending XP, just having, um, someone who was your trainer or continues to kind of have a relationship with your character ongoing in the campaign can be really nice. Uh, and I think it can be quite grounding and, and make the, the world seem a little bit more real. If you're like, oh, yeah, over in Kemperbad, there's that guy that I used to work for, and he owes me a couple of favors. I, maybe he knows something about this, or he can get me uh, you know, something unusual that I need. So um, I, I think it's worth considering that appendix, even if you don't want to use the rules, the, the, the alternative rules for spending XP. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, one one thing I've learned in role playing is one of the best ways to tie the party together is to give them an NPC that they end up all caring about, some quirky person that matters to them. Because then, anytime you here's a here's a, some free GM advice for you: anytime your players are way 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 off the rails and um, you feel like it's time to rein them in a little bit, just threaten that NPC that they all love so much. And watch as they come running back to the story. So there's some free advice for you. That, that is very good advice. <laughs> so funny. Um, no, um, I love this section. I could easily see like a storyline if I was like a wizard, like apprentice, and mm -hmm. just a mentor, you know, just teach me some spells that I don't know that could be useful. And I'm a big fan of, you know, I don't even play wizard or, or any spell caster, but I do know the the how can I say not importance, but just petty spells in general are so helpful <laughs> yes. that learning yeah. some extra one or two, like have light in the dark or unlock this lock, you know, just basic stuff is just incredibly helpful. And it'd be cool to have like a mentor you see once in a while traveling, you know, just, Hey, I taught him this while we were camping for a week, you know, it'd be cool. Good stuff. Which, which also ties into, uh, between adventures, right? Rules, yeah. which, yeah. Padraig, man, I got to hear your thoughts on Between Adventures. Um, we personally think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Have you used it in your... I'm assuming you've used it in your games. Yeah. So it's it's really, really good. Um, I also like that that piece. And it's something that we've got 
like I've heard feedback from people who, you know, maybe they're completely committed to first or second edition because that's what they want to play and that's fine. And mm-hmm. um, but several of them are like, oh yeah, but I did steal the between adventures rules from fourth edition, um, because they're they're very nice. Um, yeah, I, I really like them. I use them all the time, and I, I think that they could probably be built upon a little bit more as well, um, with some extra options and and uh, some more depth, but. I think that they're an excellent addition to to Warfrup and probably to any game. Man, if uh, only you knew somebody that might be able to influence getting more between adventure rules into supplements. I Man. know. I have to ask around the office. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, we we love it, um, and uh, we know like the travel endeavors uh, were awesome. Um, I fully, I, I would be. I guess maybe you can't say, but I'd be surprised if we didn't see river travel endeavors or something to that effect. Um, yeah, endeavors. Yeah, are... we, we've, yeah oh. there's some nice chunky stuff on on river travel. Yeah, I well cannot wait. So yeah. excited. <laughs> Player handouts. I actually have. Uh, I mean, not a lot to say, but I have some strong opinions here. So as far as player handouts here, um, the I just want to say they're beautiful. I was going to mention them too, that uh, they are in depth. I mean, there's not, it's not like a generic kind of just, here's a note. It's almost every one is unique and different font and just gorgeous. I mean, the, yeah, yeah, the, the designer did a really, really good job on those. Uh, Very, very nice. And I don't, yeah, there was a, they're all quite unique, I think. And, and yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. And I'm sure the designer will be happy to hear it too. Yeah, so. yeah, it's like each note I can easily see fitting into the part of the storyline on what paper they would use, what yeah. markings they might have. I mean, having for sake, there's like a thumbprint on one of them, <laughs> like a <Yeah>. smudge. You know, <laughs> just, you know, just, just the details are very, very nice. Well, so well one of, one of the things that I, I so I see this and it makes me sad that we still are forced to do everything remote. Right. With with COVID and stuff, because, man, I I want to print out these notes and maps and stuff on some like cool old style paper and like hand them out at the table. Like, I feel like that adds to games sometimes. And these are basically set to do that. Um, So but they're awesome. And of course, running this online, I just screenshot. And that's a beautiful part of being able to get all of these from with PDF or Cubicle 7 is because it's easy to just go print this page. So you you have it. Um, And it's man, so good. And uh, there's even one thing I wanted to mention, too, was the chart. Uh, I, I won't I don't. So there is a chart in here. That is primarily for the GM, and I won't go into super details about what it is, but it's essentially a tracker allowing the GM to track where the party is at what time. Um, And it is a tool to help the GM out along the line of the adventure. And what a thoughtful, I don't remember seeing this in the first edition version. Um, And if it was there, maybe I'm just forgetting it, but this was a great edition. Um, something a very thoughtful addition and that, i'm glad to hear you say that um that and the map of the thing that you're tracking uh, if that's big enough and <laughs> um, we're something we, we we really wanted to have in there and i think when i did that map uh and i seen it i was like oh, okay yeah i think maybe for the first time i know what was going on <laughs> if you know what i mean i can visualize it yes so 
So yeah, that kind of game aid uh, I find really personally very useful, and it's something that, as I mentioned earlier in, in Power Behind the Throne, I'm trying to have as well. You know, um, yeah. Again, without going into spoilers, but hopefully the GM tools will make it easier to run um, both of these games. Yeah, and actually, speaking of maps, dang. Um, yeah. So plenty. Yeah, there is a lot of maps, and they're all beautiful. Um, one of the things I know Matt and I have talked about or whatever, um, Matt, like, Enemy and Shadow maps were good. These maps were amazing. Um, just uh, they really already evoked uh, certain feelings in us just by looking at it. We had a long discussion about it. Um, so I, all the art in 4th edition, I mean, we gush about it almost every time we review anything. Um, it's just so good. But these maps, and I want to point something out that's key, that I think is huge, and, and uh, I hope you take this to heart, Padraig. Um, having a map for the GM and then a different map that doesn't give everything away for the players, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love that. So throughout the book, these maps for the GM are in there, right? And they tell you what's going on, and they're labeled in a certain way to help the GM out. But at the end of the book, you have these maps without those labels, which will help so that you're not necessarily giving stuff away beforehand. Um, so I think that is a great idea, and I hope we continue to see that. Yeah, you will. And there will be an extra little added thing on that as well. Although I should actually put my hands up and say I, one of the maps, there's a secret thing and I removed the label of the secret thing, but left in the arrows pointing to the secret thing, <laughs> which kind of ruins the secret thing. And that will be fixed. Um, and I think that errata go next week. And I'm sorry about that. But no, I was, uh, I was oh, going to ask about that actually, because I did notice that. So yeah, just, just uh mea culpa, you know, That's, um, <laughs> that will be fixed. Um, yeah, but we will will be also adding to the to the digital packs uh, some th those as a JPEG with both forms um, scaled that they should work nicely on on uh, VTTs because we know everyone is playing online at the moment. Mm. Um, so they'll they'll be in the there'll be an additional download that you've already got basically if you if you got the PDF. Um, so that that hopefully will also be useful for people. Thank you, thank you. Um, supporting online play. Um, and supporting the GMs with handouts and stuff like that—that is—that is awesome. Thank you. No, no problem. Uh, I, I, the, the more uh, the more people that can play the games and the more easily they can play them, mm -hmm. the happier we are at Cubicle Seven. Well, and and let's be honest, the enemy within is is not what I would call a simple campaign by any means. There is a lot going on at any one time. And a lot, like you said earlier, right, there's a lot of NPCs and a lot of moving pieces. Um, it is not a, a campaign for you to just run light of heart casually. I mean, I don't know, right. unless you have better skill than I do as a GM. <laughs> uh, oh, so. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the, the same as most people. I need my aids and I need my, my map and my notes. So, yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. So, uh I, I any last comments before we move on to the game master screen? Uh, no, glad everyone's enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, just, I um, believe yeah. we could. We've said as much as we could. Yeah, no spoilers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, what did you think when you got to Air that quote, chapter? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a secret thing. Um, just yeah, man. It it just going through it, man. It it looks wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I honestly wish we were playing the storyline because I'm just man, all the intrigue, Ouch. all the groups, all the all the ins and outs. Oh my hey, Ouch, yeah, that hurts, uh, buddy. Hey, that hurt. I'm no, a, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna online patch her back. No, man, yours is wonderful. <laughs> I'm having a great time, but just kind of reading through this one, mm. uh it, it's just like it, it just to have like it's just there's a lot going on. No, most people um, say the enemy within is the greatest campaign <laughs> ever created, and there's a reason for that. It's so, just there's so many ways yeah. you could go in and out about the storyline. It's just crazy, and and like I said, it's well done. It's an awesome product, great yeah. storyline. Um, well, well done, well done. Yep. Yeah, glad 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 you like it. And again, just to say, there's so many hands on it, like from Graham and the writers all the way up to like the graphic designer who did the handouts and mm-hmm. you know so there's a lot of people involved and uh yeah i'm, I'm just the guy that organizes them well <laughs> no, for the most part yeah and and artwork and layout all that's really important and it's been done um very well and uh, our problem is is we every every time we get done reviewing something we usually in our post show will go and like we have to be careful how often we gush over the artwork and stuff because we just end up saying the same things for every product but the problem yeah. is, is it's true. Every yeah. product that comes out has amazing artworks and amazing maps and it's laid out really well. Like, so, and I mean, we, like, nobody believes us oh, that wow. we're not fanboys anymore because, I mean, the problem is it's Cubicle 7 and, and you guys keep putting out amazing products that well, just yeah, look it, beautiful. It, it, it's- it's like that's one of the main things I look at is like the artwork and, you know, does it tie in well with the book? Does it create, you know, that's where you can get into the world or what the world would be like? And mm-hmm. just it's just your guys artwork is just awesome. Um, and not only that, but your NPCs like some rule books like give like a clunky character, maybe black and white figurine. But I mean, just the artwork for each NPC is almost, it, you know, it's like that realistic art where yeah. you could see them in real life. It's just top notch, or or, that, or immediately immediately brings you to a certain feeling. Like uh, yeah, I always yeah, go like, back oh, to Rudy Klumpen Klumpendorf or Klumpenklug, I think, from the starter set. Um, oh, yeah. That <laughs> artwork, when you see that, you immediately go, "Okay, I want to meet <laughs> this guy, but do I?" Like it's it's right. yeah it's yeah it's good stuff. Not not down a dark alleyway or anything, but you know. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a place in a pub, sure. So, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, this guy is in charge of law enforcement. Oh crap. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Rudy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. I, so. I think uh, he, he yeah he's memorable for I think anyone that's played the starter set really likes him, even though he's he's not inherently likable, and it's, it's right. an interesting uh, paradox that you know. But uh, yeah. <laughs> So artwork is a great uh, actually transition into the Game Master screen. So um, Sam, I think we've told you this a hundred times. I know Sam Manley did the cover piece on this, but dang, I've never, so the, I I'm, I have one concern, one major concern, if you will, or maybe it's really minor um, with the GM screen. And that's like, when I put this up in front of players at a table, are they going to be paying more attention to the artwork on the screen and looking at all the tiny little details than me as a GM trying to narrate a story? <laughs> it's it, so good. It, it's it's very good. And there are a lot of nice details in there. Uh, a lot of small, you know, hidden pieces. So mm-hmm. you can look at it for a while. Yeah, yeah. And uh, all of the all of the main characters from the starter set are incorporated in there. So it's like Correct. a find yep. where's Waldo kind of situation. I love that. That was a lot of fun. 
you know, my stuff. first thought was like, I found the characters. Uh, my thing was like, what's going on? Like, what's the story? Like, what's what's happening? <laughs> so I kind of imagined things, but uh, yeah. Anyway, how, how did it come to this? Like, <laughs> right? No, that's a, <laughs> right. Yeah, like literally on the roof. There? <laughs> you know, you know what? We've talked about being inspired by artwork before, but this is a kind of piece where you can go like, if you broke this up into like, I don't know squares or whatever every square has like a story you could literally write adventures like there's some if you're running ideas for adventures there you go just what adventure is happening in this square you know the guy being kicked off the bridge or whatever it is like you know i yeah good stuff so great great artwork all right so yeah go ahead yeah so starter set camp characters i mentioned that so what were you gonna say i'm sorry Oh no! I was going to uh, uh, randomly. I really liked the all of that. Um, Sam did a great job, and there was great direction on that piece as well. But uh, I really liked the ogre in the middle of it because it was one of the few places that you see an ogre uh, contrasted like the scale of them with, with humans. Oh, yes. And yes. it, it uh, the minute I seen, it, I was like, man, if an ogre walked down the street, like you would notice that. You wouldn't. That, oh, yeah. That's not going to be a thing. That you're like, that's oh, some ogre. That that's a something happens, you know, and, and you, right. you're, you're aware of it. No, you're absolutely right. And actually, so I'm actually, uh, I am holding this GM screen and it's got that new book smell. I just, we just got it in. Very excited about it. Um, quality is good. Just what you would expect. And the colors are, are good too. It's easy to read. I was one thing I was worried about when you look at it on a PDF, uh, you know, you, you think how easy is this going to be able to read? And I like printed out and kind of made my own gm screen version until the actual one came in but it's very easy to read i've already used it in a game um and it's uh extremely helpful and actually we're gonna go over all of the the panels and stuff individually and just touch base on some stuff um so but the uh it's uh it's so one thing one people ask if if you're not already aware this is uh not landscape what's the other word um portrait portrait thank you it's a it's a portrait style not a landscape style um i am curious and i don't uh what was the decision behind that um and because I, i'll be honest as a as a game master i only recently became aware of the there are like debates going on about portrait versus landscape for gm screens uh, was that something that went into you guys's process at all was it a discussion yeah, it's it's a there was a discussion about it, and there was several kind of reasons that came into it. And if you to mention an, another uh, product that we do, if, the Age of Sigmar one, for example, is is uh, a slightly different format. Um, so part of it came down to like what. So a lot of my background is in print. So if I go too far down a print line, stop me because oh, you're fine. not everyone is as interested in it as I am. Um, but with print, you have certain sizes that make sense because they fit on a lot of commercial machines. Um, so you can get a lot. M- the width of this by the height of this is a very good um, cost effective way of fitting in a lot of content. Uh, if you go much wider with like landscape stuff, you can fall outside some standard sizes and it becomes a bit more costly to print. And then that gets passed on to the consumer. And that's kind of. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Personally, that's you know not great. So we like we and we are always trying to strike a balance of, you know, like what what's fair to people, and, and we don't want to charge people out the door for for stuff. But um, 
it was it was it, it landed really nicely size wise. Um, the I think it gave great room for the art to breathe, like vertically as well as horizontally. Um, and you can just get a lot on there this way. And I think it's a better use of the space because, like you were saying, how easy is this going to be to read? Um, and it was one of the reasons that I broke it up uh, online into individual panels so that people could print it more easily to make their own ones. Um, because I don't think that like as a single wide thing piece. It's not really that useful digitally uh, because you're going to be looking on it like a tablet screen or something or a laptop screen. Sure. And it's difficult to read. So I think the, the yeah. single panels work better. Um, yeah, but I, I think that a GM screen, the purpose of it is to get as much cogent information together as possible and to obscure your dice, but to get as much of it, you know, in front of you and be very like easy to look up quickly and keep the pace of the game going so that, you know, the fewer rules, slowdowns you have, the better a game you'll generally have, I find. Um, so it was really just about like how much can fit on there and how can we present the most cogent information in the best possible way. Uh, so that that is my take on it. Like it's a purely utilitarian take, which I don't know if that's that's great. No, but, um, no, yeah, it's the- people. People have been asking. I, I can tell you. Uh, so because the the big argument nowadays is a lot of people have kind of converted to I don't hide my dice rolls anymore. And the GM doesn't need to hide behind something like it creates an us versus them mentality kind of thing. I like while I understand that, um, I also come from the point of view of when I'm sitting at a table, I probably have notes and a map drawn out, you know, and things like that. Like, it's not that I'm trying to be against you. It's that I'm trying not to ruin the surprise. (laughs) So, um, right, exactly. Yeah. Like the GM's your friend, but he's also your enemy. Yeah. Anyway, so it was just I was curious. So that's that's really good. I'm glad people have been wondering that. And um, I have to say the the way that it's like uh, broken down with the artwork and the panels is it's very it's 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 good. It's it's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's pleasing to the eye, I guess. So all right, Steve, you want to take us to the first panel? Yeah, sure. So uh, first panel, we got common names uh, of of the old world. Of course, any GM that needs to spitball a name, uh, this handy. <laughs> Just there you go, boom. Um, got your master skills list, and of course, uh, character traits, motivation, and uh, quirk table. Okay, so where to start here? First off, yeah. names. Not all GM screens have names, and for a game like Warhammer, especially, but I would argue almost, excuse me, almost any game. Having NPC names there is a good idea. I can tell you, if you go out and look at GM tips and stuff, one of the number one tips that experienced GMs will give you is have a list of names handy at your table. Have the computer up to a name generator site, etc. Right? Um, That's huge. So I I don't think we have to go a ton into it, right? Warhammers has a certain flavor, um, and having names like that can help keep the immersion and it's right there it's quick um i i love it good there master skill list if it didn't have a master skill list i'd be ranting and raving about it um it's it's a it's a necessary thing and it's good i'm glad it's there um but the thing that most everybody talked about as soon as this came out was a character trait motivation in quirk table so padrig why don't you go through that with us? Why did you guys decide to do it this way? I have, there's a, for, so if you guys haven't, if listeners, if you're not seen this yet, 
there's a list of traits, motivations, ambitions, and quirks. And then there's also a chart where you can roll randomly on a D100 to randomly generate one of those. There's what, like 20 to 30 um, for each one. So, so Padraig, before I dig deeper into individual thoughts on this, what was the overall goal here for this panel? So this panel has, uh, the essential goal is like for quick NPC generation, though you can also use it for uh, PC generation and character creation, obviously. But the ongoing use of it is for like, if you need an NPC quickly, um, this panel will help you do that. So you've got the names there, which and everything you said is exactly right. There's a certain um, theme to the world and the names can help reinforce that. So like it makes sense to run into a Franz, but not necessarily a Brent, for example. Um, right. And and that that's useful for that. And definitely. Um, and then the traits uh, and motivations is again, just to, so it's something really handy that I find useful as well. When you need to create a character on the fly, you probably have some purpose for creating them as a GM. Like they've just walked into a shop and they see someone in front of them and they want to talk to them. So you can make up someone that's appropriate, but the that table can help you flesh them out a little bit. And as a GM, it's always interesting to me when I roll on a table and I get something I wasn't expecting um, or something that's a little deeper. And you can always ignore it if it doesn't work, but it can be the kind of constraint or opportunity that lets you create a much deeper character because maybe you needed a halfling that's selling pies, but you make some rolls and you find, oh, they also are out to avenge their sister who was lost in a city or something. And then there's a little bit extra there, and it can be a plot hook if you need it, um, or it can just be some part of their background that doesn't necessarily ever feed into an adventure, but is just part of the depth of the world. So not everyone you meet necessarily exists just to interact with the PCs, but they've got some other stuff going on as well. Um, and I just think it adds to the the depth of the world and your game if the characters have an extra dimension to them, the NPCs. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I mean, this is one of the ones where Matt sent me some notes um, when he realized he wasn't this morning, he wasn't going to be here. Um, he specifically said that the list of names and uh, tables of quirks are great additions for the GM screen and something that he's going to utilize often. And I can tell you, uh, I utilize it uh, on my last character creation. So we do uh, character creation episodes um, where uh, we go over careers and we'll create characters as part of a competition. And this is, I can tell you, this table allows me to make interesting characters and figure out a way, inspiration. Honestly, if nothing else, it can give you great inspiration. Um, rolling up motivation randomly really made me have a character that can be contradictory and in some of the best characters are contradictory characters. So it's... Yeah. um. It's awesome. Uh, so it's it's really well done. Um, I know some people had argued that the, like, well, is this something that space needed to be there? And so when you really think about it, if you're using this for character creation, then well, probably not. But if you're using this to supplement the NPCs on the fly, I can tell you as a GM, it is one of the number one things. Again, we talked about needing names, right? Well, it's not just a name. How do you make NPCs interesting i can tell you i've looked at i've listened to so many podcasts where they talk about have a sign of quirk a sign of physical or a, or a mental quirk or whatever make that character stand out just pick one thing right well thinking of that on the spot as a gm i can tell you that's hard for me having this is awesome so i think it was an excellent addition 
Uh, though, you know, and, and we're going to talk about this in a second, but I'm going to skip ahead here. Um, one of the things we notice, the motivations that are listed here don't match the motivations in the booklet exactly. There are some that are on one, not the other. Was that intentional? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't necessarily know the answer to that. Um, this was some of the writing that was done before I joined uh, Cubicle 7. I would imagine a little bit of variety is no harm on two oh. lists if you're going to get them twice in the same product. Um, so if you want my canned answer, that's it. That Yeah, everything that we do is intentional. Um, <laughs> and there's a deeper meaning. Yes. And you have to guess at it. So, yeah, no, that was one of the things that threw me off because I think I rolled one and then I went to go look up the details on it in the booklet and it wasn't there. (laughs) So, um, okay, cool. So let's move on to the second panel there. Um, Yeah, we have uh, difficulty tests, the post tests and success levels. Always handy stuff to just be able to look at real quick and get that information. Yeah, I agree. Um, Advantage. So one of the things here too is advantage is on here. Um, and okay. So let's, let's back up for a second, right? A lot of this stuff we're talking about, we probably don't need to go over in super detail, right? Like fate, resilience, resolve, and fortune. It gives a breakdown of what those are. Um, right. These are things that instead of having to memorize, cause I can tell you one of the first things I did when I made my own player aids for characters for fourth edition was to create a, pa- a piece of paper that told them what they could do with fate, forts and resilience and resolve. Um, so there are four meta currencies in this game, which is more than most games um, and understanding what they do as a GM, because your players, especially if they're just starting the game are not going to know it. So um, that's a good one to have things like hit locations, um, how assistance works ranges for for like weapon ranges, like telling you how many yards and modifiers, how that affects just standard stuff, success levels again. Um, so there's dynamic, uh, it's the dynamic roles and how many success levels can determine a result based on dynamic, having that handy instead of having to look that up in the book is, and then also just standard difficulty, like having what is very hard or very easy. I can tell you as a GM, um, one of the things to, it's easy for me to say, okay, yeah, so this, uh, go ahead and make this roll at plus 20. But I try to say this is an average roll, right? Um, I, for whatever reason, I feel like it's less clunky, right? And then if if the player doesn't know, I say that's a plus 20. But it um, it makes it, gives them more of a sense, oh, this is very hard. So it's minus 30. Um, anyway, so this is all standard stuff. I don't know that I have a ton to say about it. It's it's stuff that needed to be on there. Um, oh, definitely. It saves you having to look up, of course, you know, the rule book and pages, mm-hmm. uh, which I have my list of page numbers. Yeah. Um, I won't have a GM oh. screen because I'm still a player. But <laughs> uh, for the GM, yeah, yeah. All the stuff on these panels are just wonderful. Take a little glance and you got it. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point, Steve, that you mentioned um, at the top of each of these has a page number too. So like it has rules for advantage when you can use it, but then it gives you the page number and that's good because you have to realize on any GM screen, you're not going to be able to fit all of the rules for something. And, uh, so psychology, that's another one. Um, you don't run into this as much. I know that, how do I say this? Some of you will run into this sometimes with, um, your characters. Um, but especially like what we've been playing, our campaign has been focused yeah. currently a lot on undead. So like fear and terror comes up a lot. <laughs> it sure does. Yep. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, it, once you, if you include the effects of size on causing fear um, in smaller creatures, which, you know, it'll come up for a lot of um, monsters uh, as well, like beasts of various sorts. So, yeah, the fear rules are good to have to hand. Yeah. And actually, size is on the fourth panel. And man, I got to say, that's uh, i'll be i'll be honest this is one of my few things size is complicated enough that like i need more like creature size having the page is good but i actually created a like a three page bright up of all the rules that were related to size um just until i learned them um but having at least an idea of how it affects attacking that's there and man if you guys didn't have anything about size on this i was gonna i was gonna be sad but I'm glad it made it. Yeah, size is one of those things that does have a lot of knock-on effects, and yeah. there there was a, a bit of like, what can what can we put on here without? Because like, like as you say, you could write three pages on it um, yeah. if you were to be comprehensive. So yeah, it's it's uh, what's there is to jog your memory as much as anything, and to make sure the page references on there as well. Right. Um, so you can <laughs> yeah, you, you can check those rules in in, in more depth. All right, let's let's get back to the let's get back to the show before because we could we could go down this path for yeah, a long time easily <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure um okay so uh additional panel information here um we have coinage um selling availability common items um which this is really nice I can't tell you the number of times I have to flip up the book to figure out how much a, the room at the end costs like you'd think I'd write it down somewhere I never do it's here thank you. And uh, movement and travel, common conditions. I can tell you, man, I wish we could have found a way to fit all the conditions in there. I know that there's not enough space, but dang. Um, I, I, it's, it's so nice when I go, okay, bleeding, it's right here. And then I get, what is it, stunned? Is uh, No stuns on there. I forget, one of them, poisoned. I think it was poisoned. And we're like, oh, it's not on there. So, um, But it's nice to have the most common ones because I go there all the time conditions it does give a list of the conditions and the page and a little tiny box here which is nice so you don't forget where to go um now and i i do want to ask about this well let me just say armor and weapons are in here though it's not the full list of armor or weapons rather um just the most i guess the most popular the most common ones that you would see out there um right, so yeah. i mean that's pretty good and here's the question i want to ask so I'll be very honest. I was surprised to see XP advancement and completing a career like experience cost make it on the GM screen. What was what was your thought on that one when when we were putting this together? Broadly down to how often I'm asked for it by my players, um, ah. because it, they I know it's in the rule book, um, but I guess I play with a lot of people who are lean on the gm a lot mm -hmm. um for things and again because you can be spending xp just so frequently um it, it's something that for me came up an awful lot uh, and I, I have you know i do obviously keep an eye on what people are, are, are saying and we, we are very open to feedback and try to be um so i do know a lot of people are like uh i didn't want that you know i would give me more rules uh made the extra conditions for example um but I, I do think it comes up enough that it's it's warranted. Um, but I know that some groups, maybe the players are more on point um, and, and have that to hand all the time. Maybe we should have done like a player handout that you can give like a one pager and be like, here's your stuff. Don't ask me about this. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. So. Well, see, here's the problem. So I don't run my group that way. So which is why when I saw this, I was like, well, oh, I'm surprised they decided to put that on there. Um, but I can tell you as I go through and have been taking some of the characters we're making for different things and like punching them into a character seat, I'm going, maybe I should have. I'm not sure my players are all using their XP expenditures correctly. <laughs> You know, I I wouldn't be surprised. I've had the you know even when you have that audit occasionally. Of your, yeah, your PCs, right. You're just like, what are you? How? What? How did you get this talent? Um, How's that possible? Yeah, exactly. So I'm fairly certain that you ended up with an extra two thousand XP somewhere along the line that I didn't award you. I don't yeah. remember you learning crossbow, but yeah, uh... <laughs> you've been moonlighting in other games. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> secret assassin in the old world um but yeah but but hey um i totally understand your point with including that stuff because you know if you think about it you know because we've been playing in our group for a while you know where we should kind of know the experience points and how much things are to a degree i mean we sometimes we lean on lance <laughs> but uh definitely for like the new group just to have the gm be like hey okay if you want to do this here's the numbers i, I could easily understand that quickness yeah for, for sure because going through the book back back and forth with well, how much to increase my skill points? How much to increase my you know my talents? Um, you know my characteristics for sure. You know, you know. Still at this point here, I still look in the rule book at times because I just of course I don't have you know the memorization of okay, I'm gonna increase this skill. What's it for levels five through ten? You know, eleven through you know so on and so forth. So yeah, good addition I believe. All right. Let's move on to the booklet. Uh, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so, actually, you wanna you wanna push us through on the the first part of the booklet, Steve? Yeah, sure. Yep. So, what makes Warhammer? This this uh, the Game Master Screen booklet is kind of obviously the, the Game Master Screen booklet uh, to help you out here, and it, it lists off like at the beginning like the GM's goals. Um, make, making the old world come to life. And there's so much material for the old world. Not to mention, you know, the, the, the actual books that are out, you know, just reading books, adventure books. Um, but you could really get into kind of the world and and uh, basically teach you how to make the old world come to life. Um, you can teach you, or it doesn't teach anything, but it gives you guidance on creating gr gripping and action-packed stories, um, helping you create scenarios, um, building a story together, um, and, and getting to understand your characters, like their motivations or goals. That way you can kind of tailor the adventure for them a little bit more, you know, so that way they have more fun. But also, you know, you're in the old world. So grim and perilous is a, right. the two key words. Um, yeah. but, uh, that gets you going in the book here. Yeah, so the, the the this book is very GM focused, which you would expect right. from a GM screen. And and uh, having said that, though, right? So you have the GM's goals. It kind of talks about you know how how you can run the game. It talks about GM principles. Reveal the old world. Evil's rampant. Good is rare. Several like bullet points like that um, to help you build that world. Um, you know things, even like simple stuff like. It always advance the story, you know, and embrace conflict and things like that. Um, be truthful. I think this was is, is fun, right? Be truthful because it's really being truthful to your players, not necessarily to the PCs. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and then then there's a whole section on the themes of Warhammer, right? 
class struggle, ideology, modernization. We actually um, talk about Warhammer-focused themes in one of our very first episodes, um, and it reflects a lot of these same bullet points here, and it's because the war people play in the Warhammer world because of the, right, we always say um, dark and gritty world, right? That's this. Um, even Matt, one of Matt's notes he sent to me is basically like he, he thinks he's going to have new players that he would ever have play this game read this section. Like, hey, read this. So this will give you an idea of the themes of Warhammer and, and what the world is like just to give you, you know, some good idea. And then he says, plus there's tons of story hooks you can come out of this with. It's it's all good stuff. I I mean... So, all right. So, do you know who wrote this uh, this first section here? Yeah, that that was Ben Sherry, and um, Ben did a really good job on it. Um, I'm I was really really pleased with just the GM screen in general for all the reasons you've mentioned. <laughs> and um, you know, I, I, I yeah, we don't want to dwell on it for too long, but I, I would say that uh, I think that if you're running um, Warfrup in a way that you and your players enjoy, then you're doing it right. But if you want to get some ideas for how the game is envisaged then the GM screen is an excellent way of doing that. And you were saying that Matt was sending it to people, to potential players uh, as a kind of like, here's the here's the feel of the world. And that's very smart. That's, a, a, I think, a good way to bring people into, into Wolfram. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So besides just getting a general overview of the world and like how the GM, how do you run this? It does get a little more into nitty gritty um, and some really cool stuff. So there's a whole section on running the game. You want to take us through that, Steve? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, basically advantage, uh, helping you kind of track advantage, which, which plays a huge part in this game now. Um, basically you want to be the advantage master and you'll do well. Um, just keep <laughs> stacking it, keep winning your fights. Um, when you first begin, of course, it's very hard to get that. But once you get going into your character, you find out kind of what, what works best for your character to get that advantage to play a better part in your fights and things like that. Um, but for the GM to keep track of that stuff, um, removing advantage um, as well. And uh, kind of goes into creatures without the, we the, the weapon trait. You know, beast, uh, wolves direwolves things like that yeah yeah i uh definitely there's some good stuff in there advantage is one of them um i i, I uh tracking advantages i in fact when the game first came out when that pdf first came out it, it was one of the first things that you saw people like people are tracking it with coins or different things like um it was an interesting uh way and that was before we had the starter set and the starter set yeah. actually has like track like little punch outs that you can use for tracking so right yeah we used to use what those little yeah. uh those aquarium little uh like they're not glass, marbles but they're kind of like smashed down yeah, yeah glass exactly beads. yeah yeah i i think that's a really good idea for the gm and for players to have something like that so whether it's beads they're moving from one pool to another or coins they're flipping uh, over as they gain advantage it is good to keep an eye on that because it's very easy to uh, miss an opportunity where you should have gained it and I think on that section of the GM screen document also, there's a section on kind of like doing group advantage for um, groups of uh, enemies. And yes. so you're tracking it for like a group and it, it's a little less swingy. So they don't lose it all. There's It's capped on how much they'll lose when they should lose advantage. Uh, and that can be useful as well for keeping track of it. Um, sure. yep. You know, in, in, in combats with a lot of participants. Yep. 
And uh, so in addition, this section talks about character death, which uh, I think my favorite part in there is talks about embracing character death. Um, uh, Wolfrip is not a system um, to play if you are going to be attached to your character and angry if they die. Um, yeah. So it's just good advice in there. Um, there is a section on uh, between adventures as well, um, just, uh, you know, tweaking and in going over it's so this whole section of running the game really is just about like here's a little more tips it's like we couldn't fit this in the core rule book gm but here's a few more tips that might help you run advantage or deal with character death or you know how to handle between adventures it's all great stuff um motivations is one too that's on here which is has a whole breakdown Actually, Matt sent me a comment on this one, too, that basically, and I think I mentioned this, anytime he does character creation now, he has the motivations opened up. Um, that was a nice addition. And it, but that yeah, definitely yeah, helped yeah. because because I think of those right off the top of your head. It's so hard. But if you get like a list and kind of see, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about all the plethora of options. Um, it really gives you ideas where you can either use those or branch off to like your own. But at least, you know, that helps guide, guide you and unblock that mental block because when i try to come up with the motivation i'm thinking like wow it's got to be a definitive just one uh and i'm running a blank right Um, but just having a chart you know to help just oh that's kind of what okay i'll use that but just tweak it just a little bit so it was helpful exactly inspiration and i think that's the biggest thing i can say having this stuff and we're going to talk about the appendices in here it's all about inspiration man because sometimes, like you said, it's hard to come with that initial thing, but you roll on the table, you get this thing, oh, my motivation is infamy. Oh, oh, okay. Well, actually, I want to tweak it, and it'll be like this. Now you have your motivation. Great. You didn't have it before. Even if it's not what you rolled on the chart, now you do. Yeah, and, and that idea of taking something that's there and modifying it to suit you is something that, like, players should feel you know feel free to do it almost anything we do because making something your own and really making it suit your circumstances or your style um adds a lot of value to the, you know like how you experience a game so uh yeah the, i would always encourage people to do exactly that draw inspiration and make changes where you feel it's it's warranted absolutely and then uh, the last section of this uh rules section here is uh social status and standing I don't want to go a ton into this because uh, of time constraints and and stuff. And we plan we plan to have a whole episode on social standing and status. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely for like my character, like a noble. But we've been traveling and fighting so much that definitely status has changed. I don't look like a noble. I don't think at this no, point. No, actually, buddy, I haven't talked to you about this yet. But um, when prepping for this show, I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, I think I need to bring his status down one or two pegs. Right. I, 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 don't, I don't think I've worn my courtly garb in a few months. Just then. It's just safely stowed in an oil skin in your back. <laughs> it's been wet. It's been used as a rope. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Might need some dry cleaning, but. <laughs> so anyway, there's lots of tips yeah. in there for that as well. And then uh, we also, there are sample NPCs in here, um, which is fun. I really like these ones. Um, yeah, I like the, the cheesemongers in there, yes, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yes. I'm a big fan. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the artwork's just hilarious, man. If I saw that guy in real life, can you imagine? Oh, mm-hmm. 
Well, for me, uh, and in the so this is one of those where I I'm not going to say intentionally what this is because I think part of the fun of this character would be the shock factor of bringing it into your game. Um, but I just want to say, Stelmer the loyal hound. Like I don't know who wrote that, but well done. Well done. Yeah, I think that that one was Ben as well. So yeah, <laughs> he, he, I'm I I'm a fan of the NPCs in this book. Yeah. Okay, appendix. All right. Oh uh, yeah. Let- uh, chart city. Yes, a wondrous yeah. chart. D one hundred. Perfect. Uh, it, it's just wonderful, man. If if your groups, if if your group gets gets bored or needs some extra cash, it's just. Some of these charts are just so helpful. Like, I need a job. All right. Let's roll randomly and see what you might get. Uh, it, it's just just random things like, you know, a, an example. We'll just do the first one. Like, the one that got away, you know, the who or what needs characters to create an introduction between them and a shadowy fit figure. You know, why? So they may perform their heinous researches in secret. You know, just it goes, breaks it down to who, what, why. And you roll on this massive chart and just gives you just a plethora of options to mix things up. And it's it, nice. So so there are four, four full charts down here. The I need a job, which you just talked about. How yeah. do I know you again? Um, you find yourself in a tavern. An example do means, and we talk about each of these a little bit, but just overall, I want to say these are perfect. Like if... Right. So as a GM, if I just need an idea, I'm going to do my own adventure. I need something quick, dirty. I am roll on these charts, roll on each chart, take those things. You basically have a full adventure. It, I, I just wanted to point that out. I don't know if that was how they were intended to be used, but, but between all of that, what you have going on, it's amazing. Um, the I need a job is a good one. The how do I know you again? Uh, that's That's a chart where... So I cannot tell you how many times, like when I talk to people about doing their session zeros, where I tell them, look, you're going to waste a session or two because your paladin doesn't trust the thief because you have good role players and they've never met this person before. And they're not just going to take their one at their word, right? Like they don't have a relationship. If you don't build that relationship into the game, you're going to spend a session or two going now it could be fun and if that's the way you enjoy doing that like oh you all meet in a tavern and you're all good with that that's fine um in my groups that tends to be a massive time sink and if you're not doing a super long campaign where those interactions will be meaningful um it's a waste of time but this not only gives you uh like how you might know that character it gives you interesting ways um you know like, I think there's one in there, like, I killed your sister or something like that, right? Like, you can find a way for your characters to be together and give great role-playing opportunities. So, yeah, well done. Yep. Yeah, that that's more or less, you, you have it exactly right. That's what those sections are about. Like, the joke in the office at the time was like, oh, so you just don't need a GM anymore. You can just roll uh, <laughs> in this the game happens. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was the, the idea of, exactly that basically you have that and, and the, the... <laughs> I'm, I'm still laughing about that that's hilarious yeah um yeah and, and you know you don't want to make yourself redundant or whatever but uh, the that's, uh steve how... our next adventure i'm just gonna post those charts yeah, just roll them, man. like yeah. hey just roll the charts you guys tell me what happens 
<laughs> yeah, write it up afterwards. I look forward to hearing about it. Then. Yeah, but the uh, um, and, and it's the same on the how do I know you again is just if you need to get quickly together, which is funny because you've got the uh, so you're in a tavern, you know that kind of uh-huh. kickoff for, uh, and then the motivation section is or the how do I know you again is the exact opposite almost of that very like cliched start, but you right. Know, so you can have these interesting relationships, um, and again the just to touch on like the benefit of, of charts is always that you're going to get surprises and that that can add an awful, awful lot to a game. If you, if, especially as a GM, you know, where you, you give up a little bit of control to get a little bit more spontaneity and kind of randomness. And that can be, that oh, can absolutely. make it more fun for the GM as well. And honestly, those are kind of the funnest times I have with role playing is not kind of like the going along the path, but kind of like the random offshoots that we do. I remember one time we just had to do one little thing. We end up going to a town. I guess I, yeah, I forget what questions I'm supposed to ask the lady. We mega hide a bow, just all sorts of things. We off track lands by, I think it's whole storyline, but uh, it's things we remember that we had fun with. So, so our, that's wonderful. Our current adventure uh, should have been done like six sessions ago. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but that's okay it's been fun so um, yeah like you're not on a timer if everyone's having fun yeah, and true, that's yep, exactly. yeah exactly so, um and what, then what, the last chart dooming yes thank you so much the one of the yeah. first things i did is i went and found the second edition chart when fourth edition came out and i was so glad to see an updated chart come out yeah, I love doomings. They're so good. And um, they, they add a great, and they feed into that thing that you just mentioned, which is like, or earlier, which is, you know, don't get super attached to any one character. Um, because, the, you know, the fact that they may die is baked into not just the world, but, you know, if you're a, an, an, a human of the Empire, it's also baked into your, you know, you, you're coming into adulthood at the age of 10, you get a dooming. And that is how you're going to die. Um, it may be obtuse, but that's hanging over you for your whole life. And I always think like, what does that do to your psychology right. to know? Right. Um, yeah. So I, I love doomings. I'm a big fan of doomings. Uh, so I think probably one of the most powerful things that doomings do that I absolutely love is um, I have on more than one occasion, see a player elect not to use a fate point and let their character die because it fit with their dooming. To me, what that tells me is that a player has made a decision to have the story go in a way that means that they're starting over or whatever with a new character um, because it's awesome. And that is facilitated by a rule or a concept that is in the world. It's all just handled very well. Um, so, and, and, and dooming, as as I said, it's not something new to the Warhammer world or to Wolfrup, but it's uh, having that chart too. Like I can tell you, it's very difficult without the chart to like, Again, it's just like just like motivation. Same thing, right? It could just be inspiration. You get it, you roll it. Sometimes you come up with a perfect one and you don't need it. But man, there's some good stuff in here. And Matt even said like Doomings are that chart will forever be used. Good stuff. I, I was really glad to see this come in here. Great. Good to hear. Okay, so uh anyway, GM screen. Overall, very happy with it. Very good. Um and uh, it's, I think GM screens especially are one of those things that GMs, I'll just say this, GMs tend to be people that are 
running games and it takes a certain type of personality to really enjoy and do that. And, um, and so I think it is impossible to make a GM screen that everyone will think is a hundred percent perfect. Um, but you guys did a dang near, near close job in my opinion. So, uh, well done. Um, my name is the Reichland, uh, is our next and our last thing we're going to review. So first off, let me say this was an unexpected treat. Um, I don't even know how else to describe it. Like, this is just great. Um, I wouldn't have thought that this would even be a PDF, but here it is, and it's awesome. So those of you that don't have this PDF, here's what Monuments of the Reichland is, right? So essentially, monuments are everywhere in the world of Warhammer, especially in the Empire, but everywhere in the world, and they all have different meanings. Um, and there's a lot to it, but long story short, what they did is they said, here are five notable monuments that are in the Reichland. Oh, by the way, every single monument has a storyline, a whole, um, story hooks built into it. There's a secret, like everyone has a secret Mm -hmm. of some kind that's behind it. Um, as soon as I realized what these were, so this is, this is, I, I'm going to say this right up front. This was probably the hardest I've had to work at not reading something cover to cover because as, so I'm a GM, but I'm also a player, right? And so occasionally Matt will run us through adventures and this is a perfect sort of thing Matt might run and I don't want to ruin it for myself. So I picked based on, um, I think it was Sam Manley's artwork for, uh, what's the, eagle looking thing it's the hawk of mackenstein yes yes the hawk of mackenstein so that was the one i chose one and i said i'm reading this one and i read it and all it did is make me want to read the others because it's so good so why don't you talk about it a little bit padrick uh well well i'm i'm really happy that you like this one this was the first um project for cubicle seven that i commissioned um and seen true start to finish uh so i'm really pleased that it went down well uh, I think that um, huge kudos to um, Simon, the writer, and Sam, who did the art for it, uh, as well as um, everyone that was involved in layout and so on as well. But yeah, basically, um, Simon had the idea for a blog post, and he did a couple of these for me, um, much shorter and compressed. And I read them, and I was like, oh, these are really good. This This can't just be a small thing with like one or two of these we should get will you do five for me will you write them to this up to about this word count um and he he was up for that which was brilliant and then uh, it was one of the first um projects as well where i wanted the writer and the artist to have a bit more interaction and um, because without getting into the, the nitty-gritty of it often the writing is done you know we go through a product we look for the key scenes or key moments figure out what they are and how to illustrate them uh, and then pass that brief on to the artists uh-huh. Um, but this was one where I was straight up to the writer to begin with to be like, it's obvious that we should illustrate the, the five monuments. Yes. Um, give me yeah. visual cues. Like, how do you mm-hmm. see this? Uh-huh. Uh, and that's how to talk about the Hawk of Mackenstein. Again, avoiding spoilers, but that was bit, the bit where it came up like, oh, that helmet that they hang on it, that like local soldiers yes. put on it. That's key, you know, and the, the visual direction on that ended up being, I think, really good. That's one of my favorites. That I'm just glad you read that one through at the beginning. Um, I, I really like it. So that, that was where that came out of. Um, we've I've commissioned another similar piece from the same writer um, that I'll give a bit more info on in the future. Uh, I can't, don't know if we've mentioned anything about it, but there will be another similar one um, dealing with something else, basically. So 
that that's I'm, I'm looking forward to that one too and i'm glad you like this one i like it a lot yeah. and i've heard from a few people who are like oh i'm gonna do a tour of the reichland and we're gonna destroy all these uh, monuments <laughs> that's that's our next adventure oh no okay. that's awesome though <laughs> so i can i can tell you so here's something i mentioned and, and i haven't looked uh in the last week or two here but i know um there's been, uh, especially with delays and stuff, uh, anytime you guys will post something, you know, there'll always be somebody that might like have something not necessarily positive to say, right? Um, they're frustrated about this or that, or they didn't like the way something happened. But mm. every single comment that I saw when Monuments of the Reichland came out was positive. Like everybody loved it. Um, I haven't heard a single thing that said that, like, it, and it's just, it's good. Like I can, in, Again, I, inspiration. I feel like that's going to be my theme today, right? You could run like somebody's going to run an adventure off of, you know, doing destroying all five of the monuments or whatever. That's a great idea. I would argue I'm going to run 10 adventures <laughs> based on what's in here. Like, that's great stuff. Yeah, my yeah. favorite was the Von Plotzkanal's horological tower. Just the artwork <laughs> and just, you know, just I'm like, it's like a clock that's always there. It does random things at different times. No one knows exactly how it works, but it's been there for, for a long time. Uh, it's just awesome stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, and the fact that there are different adventure hooks, too. So I want to yeah. point that out. So, like, it's not like, here's the story of the monument. Here's how you use it. It's here's the story of the monument. Here's the secret of the monument. And oh, by the way, if you'd like some different adventure ideas, here's a couple. So, I mean, arguably, even if I did read this, I might not necessarily be in the same story with two different GMs running it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's for something that's like these are things you can pepper into the world and then uh -huh. have, like explore as much or as little as you like in whichever way you want. So, yeah, it's it's not it, it's something that I think will fit into a lot of places without being a book that someone picks up and GMs for you and they're just like, oh, we've played monuments, right? Um, it's its yeah. own little little piece of material, I think. So I, I want to let you know you you put yourself in a bind here because oh, no. I now expect to see monuments of the Middenland, monuments of the Hockland. <laughs> I'm just Mon saying monuments of the dwarven realms. Yes. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. The, uh, yeah, I think we just gotta keep Simon in writing for the next uh, <laughs> few months. Really, just be like, look, man, just book a monuments. Let's go. Um, yeah. Look. Oh. You know, no promises, but he, we all. He's already working on something else for me. So no, no, uh, there will be more stuff. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that's our last item. Um, anybody have any last thoughts on our, our four items that we reviewed? You want to go first, Steve? I think everything's been so well done. I just love how the world's been like flushed out, just more detail. Uh, just, you know, some games where you're left with a shell and you, but like the old world is calming to life. It's just awesome. The history, just everything, all the aspects, everything's just, it's so well done. Um, I, I just look forward to your, your, your other stuff that you're going to be put, putting out as well. Yeah. When are we going to see you as the main writer on, uh, on one of these Padraig? Oh, um, I, you know, I don't know. So the, the writing that I do is, is quite, small so I, I would never take away from the work that the main writers do on things like i usually do npc writing some rule stuff um adventure hooks i've done a lot of those is mm. so i you know you won't probably see me as the main writer on anything for a while and um, there's a lot of 
good stuff in the pipelines and I have my hands full making all that happen. <laughs> so the, the best way to get more stuff out quicker is for me not to write a whole book. Oh, um, <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm down with that. I'm, it's, yeah, it's hugely flattering. Thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. No, that's uh, yeah, I actually, I'm feeling bad for us taking time that you could be, you know, working. <laughs> Warhammer. Hey, Sunday. Hold on. <laughs> Actually, so we're taking from your family. See, that's even worse. All right. Um, no, I, I will say uh, Monuments of the Reichland was a home run for me. Um, the yeah. Game Master screen, we probably beat this to death on the show. It's it's about a year <laughs> later than I'd like it, but it is uh, really two years. But it is uh, it is amazing. Um, very good. Very needed. It's, it's helped me out a lot. Um, uh, death on the Reich is... Honestly, it's you could take everything good we said about Enemy and Shadows, rinse and repeat. It's it's good. Uh, the quality. Good. I have the books, and I did get so I got a copy of the Uber's Reich Adventures. By the way, man, so good. And I I've even noticed a little tweaks, a little extra color here and there in that. So production was just really good. I'm excited to see the Uber's Reich too. Um, so and, and just having the. I got to say, I mean, if you don't already know, right, like every single book in this has this embossed raised lettering. It looks amazing on the shelf. So anyway, I don't know. It's I have very few things to pick at on any of these products and they're great. So. Yay. No, great. Glad, glad to hear (laughs) us. That's what we aim to do. Cubicle seven. Keep, you know, get, get people the, the best stuff that we can you know and we're fans as well like we want to see it and see that see Wolfrop in general do really well and i'm a huge fan of the warmer world so to hear you mention like um matt how happy you are with the world expanding like that to me is the is the star of it really is is the the old world is such a unique place so i'm beyond happy to know that we're kind of keeping that flame burning Uh, so great good all right, before we go, we have one more question to ask you, and I think all of our listeners love to hear these stories. Can you tell us your favorite experience that you've had in a Wolf Rip game? Uh, that, so it's a tough one, um, and I've been thinking about it, and I've, I've got two that I'll throw. One I've kind of said before, and it, it left me a lesson, so it wasn't my favorite experience, but the first time I ever ran Wolf Rip, we'd come from playing, um, it was our first role-playing game ever, and we'd come from playing war games, and we kind of felt that that's what a role-playing game was, but with more, you know, nitty-gritty for each individual character. It was like a very in-depth skirmish game, for example. Um, so the very first game I ever played of it, I was like, oh, okay, you're in a pub, and the bartender is is there, and, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a, a creepy old man in the corner, and he looks like maybe he has something to say to you. And one of the players hopped up off his seat and was like, oh, you mentioned a bartender. I go and attack him straight away. And I was so inexperienced, I didn't really know what to do with that. And ever since that moment, all of my bartenders, because I asked someone afterwards, I was like, what did I do wrong? He's like, oh, the bartender should have had a crossbow and killed that guy. And then that would have set the, the tone for how you interact with this world. Like, don't just randomly attack people. Um, so since then, I've had in mind this: the, the world should be a little more bristly than, you know, you might expect it to be. Um, just to, you know, keep everyone uh, on the same page. So that was like a lesson learned, but that was a, a long time ago. And I don't know if it was my favorite experience, but it was formative. Wow. 
Um, but I suppose my favorite experience I had was in, in Wolfrop was, and I'm the perpetual GM, so they're always going to be GM stories. But uh, we, I was running a game uh, where the players were part of a mercenary company attached to uh, some, basically attached to various armies and involved in like small civil wars type, type skirmishes between uh, different uh, nobles in the empire. And I'd fleshed out this mercenary company quite a bit with like various people. And the rumors started going around that one of the, the NPCs in the character's uh, unit was uh, a witch. And like witch hunters were poking around and trying to find evidence. And this was, was going around. And the players all decided that they are, not only was this guy definitely a witch, but they liked that. They liked having you know someone around who could potentially throw out some extra firepower if they were ever in a pinch, you know? Right. So they just were, they were like, yeah, that's, that's that person. He's a witch. Brilliant. That's very handy to have. Um, so they kind of like seen off the witch hunters with some excuses. And I think they sent them to like the next unit over that they didn't like. They didn't like the guys in charge of the cannons <laughs> for some reason. They were like, oh, I seen him. He was talking to a frog. And the frog was answering. It was crazy. So, so that, the witch hunters were distracted. And uh, there was one session where finally like it had come to a point where they were really in trouble. They'd gotten like cut off from everybody else. And they were there with, with that character um, fully expecting that, like in the, this terrible moment, they would be able to do something about it, um, and it wasn't them. They weren't the witch. I just kind of been like hinting at that. The players like, oh yeah, they are weird. And sometimes you feel fly- fires near them kind of flare up a little bit, um, <laughs> you know, when they're near it and they look surprised. So they they were like, it's okay because we've got um, Iceman, which they've nicknamed him. <laughs> we've got Iceman's <laughs> one hand. He's going to take care of this, uh, and and. It, he, he just wasn't a witch and it went really badly. <laughs> and I, I felt so bad about it that in, the next time they were in a, a similar situation, it was actually that situation got worse where they were like taken, they were taken prisoner and there was like being, they were being tortured and questions were coming out. And um, I had one of the other characters be the witch instead. So the rumors were true. And one of the other characters suddenly just was like, I've had enough of this. And literally, burned uh the top half of somebody's body off and they were like okay we've got to get out of here uh, and my favorite part of that was one player wasn't there that night oh, and they no. never told him they <laughs> never told him that this guy actually was a wizard <laughs> and he kept antagonizing him because it was some of the he didn't like <laughs> and they were all at the table they were like it's tonight tonight it's tonight tonight that he's just gonna snap um, so it was just this endless dramatic irony uh, for for sessions and sessions. It was really fun, and I I think to this day, they never told him. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know if that if that fits the the, the realm. I I know it's nice to always say the stories about your character that went off and did stuff, but I'm just constantly the GM, so I'm trying. Oh, to... no, that is a great story. Yeah, that's a great story. You know, it's nice to hear from a GM. You know, like a story. Yeah. It's, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, these are these are the things that I think GMs enjoy, where they're like, you've got a, a memorable right. NPC who doesn't overshadow the characters, but like adds to the adds to their story. So then they're you know a lot of the players were on the end. They knew this. And they felt like they were inside a thing. So they were very fond of the character after that. Um, and I think it added to their story and to the kind of the mythos of their their um, military unit that they were like, they, they were super proud basically of the reputation they started to get around the place. So <laughs> yeah, that was, I liked that. I enjoyed that. I hope they did too. That's awesome. I'm sure that they did. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, cool. <laughs> I could just, I just put myself imagining sitting around the table like, oh, don't, don't do that. Don't. 
don't talk to him that way. Oh gosh, I'm gonna go stand over here. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really it was so hard to keep from laughing all the time because it was so yeah, it was it was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. Iceman. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like like he's, he's like a super wizard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was good. Oh man. Good stuff. Funny. Good story. Ah. Uh. So intrepid listeners, keep in touch. Let us know your questions, feedback, and even show topic suggestions. You can contact us multiple ways by checking out our website at www.oldworldpodcast.com, Twitter at Old World Podcast, and of course, Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Old World Podcast. And while you're checking us out on the various social interwebs, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. If you like what we're doing and want to help out, become a patron. For only a couple dollars a month, you can help support the show and get some cool rewards, too. Uh, so be sure to check us out at patreon.com slash oldworldpodcast. Um, also, let us know what you think. Visit iTunes or your preferred podcast service and rate us. Every review helps us reach even more Warhammer fans. Excellent. So, Padraig, uh, where can people find you? So people can find Cubicle 7 Games at cubicle7games.com. Um, you can get everything on our store there. We All of our books and pre-orders come with a PDF. If it's out, you'll get that. Um, and if it's not out, you'll get it when it is. Um, you can also find us on Drive RPG. We're also on Twitter um, and Facebook and all the usual social stuff. Awesome. And, and that's the end of our show tonight, guys. Um, Padraig, thank you so much for joining. We we've been really love having you on. We're excited with Warhammer, where it's going in the future. So um, just thanks for joining us, man. It was great to talk Absolutely. to you. Thanks. Yes, uh, thanks. Oh, thanks for having me. This was a blast. I really enjoyed it. So thank you. Um, I think that, you know, maybe after we get a few more releases on, I'd be really happy to come back on Excellent. if you'll have me. Oh, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. All right. So uh, this is Lance saying good night. And if someone asks you to investigate five different monuments in the Reichland, just run away. This is Steve saying good night. And may you reach the glorious heights where a monument gets built for you in the old world. This is Podrick uh, saying goodnight. And just remember when it comes to encounter difficulty in Death and the Reich, remember you asked for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's there we good. Go. There we go. <laughs> this podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW, Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC.